This is a Healthier Michigan podcast, episode 54. Coming up, we discuss foods that can have a positive impact on our mental health. Welcome to a Healthier Michigan podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to navigating how we can all improve our health and well-being through small, healthy habits we can start implementing right now. I'm your host, Chuck Gatica. Every other week, we're going to sit down, and we have for a long time, with certified health experts from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan and do a deep dive into topics that cover nutrition, fitness, and a lot more. And on this episode, we're talking about what foods we can add to our diet or maybe continue eating. Maybe you're doing a great job. These foods that can help boost our mental health. With me today, registered dietitian for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, Grace DeRosha. She's also a certified diabetes educator, certified health coach, uh, mom, wife, mommy of two. So she's been doing a lot of stuff at home with kids. And so when we're talking about mental health, we're talking about keeping it together, not because we're just by ourselves, but we've got now kids around us, others, maybe seniors in our life we have to take care of. Right, Grace? Yes. And I think... All the mommies and daddies need the most yeah. benefits from uh, some healthy eating and some good mental health during this time. It's it's tricky. Well, it's tricky. And I think for the first time, maybe in a long time, I've seen people having more fun. And I'm not sure this is great. I mean, I think it's good that we're kind of relaxed about binge eating and, oh, wait till this is, we're coming out of the coronavirus thing, right, across most of the states now. And wait till they see me get rolled out of the house after all that I've been eating. And I think it's interesting that people are joking about it. So that in a fun, interesting way that takes the edge off of what you've been doing, right? Right. But at the same time, I don't know that I've seen that much fun being had at maybe my own expense or someone else's by saying, hey, I'm bragging. I've been eating way too much, uh, too many cookies. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's really good either. It's weird. It's it's a very tricky thing because yeah. depending on the person, allowing ourselves to joke around about it may be a sense of stress relief sure. and give us that mental health break of overthinking about you know, what I'm eating, exercising and being overly productive. And I feel like I waver too between that. Like I see these memes and all these things that are like, if you aren't getting stuff done now, then you're lazy pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm going to come out of this looking like, you know, that you've seen like the Barbie doll and she's like the skinny Barbie doll. And then they have one that looks like she's gained weight. I think there's a happy medium and balance, but I also think that we have to, in the long run, build the best relationship with our body that we can and the best relationship with food. And just the weight and the number on the scale and how you aesthetically look isn't the end-all be-all and isn't the end-all be-all for your body and your health or your mental health. So really thinking about that a little bit more too. How does food affect mental health? And the phrase mental health is really far and wide. We could just be talking about through the period we've just come, that you've gotten into some blue or down days. That may be one thing. Right. But then there's also diagnosable mental health issues, yeah. which this could have led to or exacerbated, right? So right. there are differences. But what what does food have to do with our mental health? So it's funny because the way we fuel our body and the way our body is impacted by what we eat can definitely affect different chemicals and hormones in the body and how we feel on a daily basis. And I think it's uh, there's lots of levels to that. So like you mentioned, about 25% of the U.S. population of adults 
has some diagnosable mental health disorder. But we also know from research that mood disorders and mental health disorders and not necessarily diagnosable impact many people and can impact you and how you feel on a daily basis. So I always say this, and I say it as a joke, but I mean it sincerely. I'm a pretty happy person, and I eat healthy. And if you think about just people in your life, and you know those people, there's people that have fast food for three meals a day, or people that don't make a remote conscious effort to eat healthier. And I'm not judging, but I want people to think about like, how do you feel maybe when you're eating more nutritious food? And then how do you feel when you don't? Yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting. And those stats that you give us, you know, the one in four U.S. adults suffer from a diagnosable mental health disorder. That's a stat that deals directly with those individuals' diagnoses. That doesn't really take into account, I live with somebody who's got depression and anxiety, or I'm a caretaker for mom who now I haven't been able to see for a while, so now I've gotten down about that. You know, in other words, this circle broadens out greatly and can influence what we're eating, how we're eating, and how we're treating our bodies way beyond our own diagnosed issues. Yes. And we may not even have one. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And I think the stress of this time and in different moments of your life can play an impact on how you're feeling mentally and like your mental well-being. Now, you said something interesting about eating foods. So you're talking about getting in tune with your body, right? Like when you eat, are you paying attention to how you feel? Yes. So this is key in this process is kind of tuning in and being a little bit more conscious. Like, do you feel foggy or tired or a little bit more lethargic from eating something? Or do you feel energetic and happy and kind of enabled and powerful, like with a clear mind? Or is the overthinking about food also impacting you? Or, well, there's lots of ors here, maybe something that you eat doesn't sit well with you and hurt your stomach. So having that pain and dealing with that can also affect your mental health. But here's a complication, or Oreos. If you eat something like cookies or chocolate, and it does release, sometimes eating chocolate releases certain hormones too, right? Mm-hmm. I've learned that yes. you know, it makes you feel better. You can be eating stuff that's not necessarily great for you if it's not in moderation, and you can still get a buzz from it, or you can get, you know, caffeine does something to you. Whatever it is, you can still get a feeling that actually temporarily makes you feel good, and it still doesn't mean it's good for you. <laughs> right. And I would say, also think, speaking of Oreos, like not beating yourself up because you wanted to have a couple Oreos. Yeah. Maybe just do me a favor and don't eat the whole pack. Right. <laughs> but being able to have, you know, the awareness and the understanding of how you're like one quote unquote treat food isn't going to ruin your health and your diet forever. Yeah. Or enjoying the mac and cheese as a comfort food because it was a tough day and you're just going to make that for the kids. So you're going to eat it too. Hashtag grace the other day. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And, and that's also okay. I do sneak vegetables into it. So I guess there was that. (laughs) Well, but now when you talk about how we feel, and I know you want to talk a little bit about like things like serotonin, et cetera, but eating, um, you know, having sugar. I've learned so much from you over so many episodes, right? But let's zero in on some of these things, how some of these things play what role in your body and regulate 
how you feel, how you behave, etc. Do you want to start with kind of the hormone idea? Yeah. So I'm going to start with, I'm glad you brought up sugar. So there is something to be said about, I feel like I'm, I sound fickle and, and all over the place, but there's something to be said about knowing that you can enjoy something in moderation and allow yourself to fully enjoy that versus tricking yourself into saying, well, I'm going to eat as many Oreos as I want because I want to, and it makes me feel good right now. And I don't care about later. So finding that happy medium and that balance there and having a little bit of understanding about what could be going on in your body, like all that added sugar at one time spikes the blood sugar and then actually drops it. So then you're actually going to be in a worse mood later Mm -hmm. or tired, you know, going to bed and the kids are still running around going, Hey, come on, time for school again. And you're like, Oh, I got (laughs) to go. I got to sleep. I don't want to teach fractions today. Um, <laughs> not, a, not for the third time. <laughs> so yeah, definitely being aware of that. So one of the most important things that you've brought up is serotonin. It is a hormone that we produce and that mm-hmm. we make. And you've probably heard about it before, but it's a happy hormone. It makes us feel happy. It gives us kind of that happy feeling, that positive outlook that we're looking for. And there's a lot of things that serotonin does. It it can help us with sleep, not only help us go to sleep because it helps with the production of melatonin, which is another hormone, it's a sleep hormone, but it also helps us have deeper sleep. It helps with memory, it helps with appetite and digestion. And this is a fun fact, and I know we'll talk about probiotic foods later, but 90% of the serotonin we produce in our body stems from our gut health. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, we hear a lot about gut health, and I do want to get into that. But this notion of serotonin and, and either other hormones that are, I guess, are they're secreted in our bodies, there's one thing that we have just come out, we're coming out of this period, that we've not been able to do with a lot of people around us. And that is we've not been able to touch. Mm -hmm. And I know that even something as simple as a hug, whether it's a man hug, whether it's Mm -hmm. hugging your mom, right? Or God forbid somebody was in the hospital, you couldn't even go to their bedside. That is missing for a long period of time. So what's interesting is this has intertwined our mental health with then what we could eat. So if you're telling me that there are certain things I can do to kick up that serotonin by eating in a special or different way or just doing it right, to me, that's like a prescription. It's like you're writing me the happy hormone you need and here's what to do. And I'm like, hey, okay. And it's kind of free if I do it the right way, which is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's research that shows that hugging and touching is an important part of our mental health and our happiness. Yeah. And we don't, I mean, I have my family here with me now, but I miss I missed hugging my mom, you know, and I want to make sure there is ways that we have a little bit of control of that with including these healthier foods that can help make our mood a little bit better and increase our mental health and just just help. So you mentioned bacteria. That sounds strange in this world (laughs) we're coming out of like, oh, yeah, I want good bacteria because we've heard about all kinds of other issues with the virus. But good bacteria can help our guts. And so what what is the logical extension there? So what gives us good bacteria? And then how does that influence our body? So a probiotic is good bacteria. Mm. And we often talk about probiotics in our gut or our stomach or GI system, the gastrointestinal system, so meaning our stomach and intestines, and keeping that good gut bacteria, those probiotics living and thriving is definitely a help since, one, it produces most of the serotonin in the body, but two, there is, they call it the 
gut brain access where our stomach and our brain are actually like fully connected. There's literally like one thing, like there's that access from the brain to the gut. Yeah. With neurotransmitters that are produced that really can help affect our brain and how we look at things. That is the science of it all. So probiotic foods become extra important all the time, but especially right now, to include in our diet every day. So a probiotic food is, a few examples would be yogurt, kefir, which is a yogurt drink, mm-hmm. kombucha, which is really popular right now. It's a fermented tea. Okay, you can have that one. You don't like that? No, not really. It's a little vinegary. I grew up drinking it, of course, because my mom and being Filipino. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so definitely some of those. But then, okay, here's more common ones. Sauerkraut. How do you feel about sauerkraut? Uh, if it's on a Reuben, <laughs> you had me at hello. Outside of that, I don't know that I would go out of my way. I know it's good for you. And I think growing up, we had it a lot, you know, like with some kind of sausage or uh-huh. like the old German kind of idea of stuff. Yeah. But I don't know that I can think of things. I don't think I'd go for a sauerkraut right now but that's a good idea it's cheap yeah or it's easy how about pickles? oh yeah pickles are good yeah yeah. anything pickled like any vegetables that are pickled or quote-unquote fermented in that way um any kind of pickled vegetables we just had some pickled green beans the other day they were delicious what else kimchi which is also pickled but like with some asian spices Mm -hmm. so those are kind of the main things that are probiotic here's the side tip though is that prebiotic foods, which are kind of, I always say probiotics are like these beautiful flowers that are growing in our gut. And to feed those, you need prebiotic foods that are the fertilizer and the sunshine of these flowers so they can grow. So that's my little analogy for you. But things like apples and oatmeal, things with a lot of fiber okay, yeah, that can feed that probiotic dark chocolate falls into that category of prebiotics. So just thinking about, you know, those things that can help feed the probiotics and then also trying to get some probiotics in. But, you know, this makes so much sense because I've learned from you over time, we need to think about how we eat and how that affects our heart health. So on the way from the gut to the brain, there's a little stop in the middle there that's kind of important, and that's your heart. But if you're eating for your heart health Mm -hmm. and your gut health, that's obviously going to influence your brain health, which you know, equal sign mental health, perhaps. Right. So I think what's interesting here is so much of this, again, is common sense. Do right by yourself and you're helping all the systems of your body, whether they're complex or whether they're basic. And so much of this is just easy to do, short of the sauerkraut idea. But I mean, everything <laughs> is pretty much, you know, what you're telling me to do. I do a lot of it, and it, but it's striking. Like, oh, man, we haven't had pickles for a while. I like a little quarter-sized pickle slice with a sandwich. It's not going to knock my sodium out of the park for the day, right? It is high, but right. it's just a slice of a pickle. But I yeah. didn't really think that that is something that could be really good for my gut. Yeah, finding some balance with some of these things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And people have asked me often about, especially with probiotics, can I take a supplement? Sure. Yeah, you can. I would rather always rather have you have it from food whenever you can, because a supplement is supplementing the diet. But if you are looking for one, just any supplement that you take, make sure that you're looking for that it's verified by a third party meaning so that we know what they say is in it is actually in it. All right, that's good stuff, but there are other things that we can do, right, to incorporate in our diets that will also have an impact on our mental health relative to food. So give me some of those things that we should be thinking about as well. Yeah, so I'm going to give you the pros first, the things that we want to be sure that we add in 
obviously, so any diet that's rich with antioxidants, antioxidants kill free radicals from aging to cancers to things that we don't want in our body. And that really is looking at colorful foods. Eat the rainbow. Your red, orange, you know, Roy G. Biv, the fruits and vegetables into your life on a daily basis. That's yeah. pretty simple. So dark berries, you know, mm-hmm. uh, even if they're frozen, right? I, put, I, yes. I make my hot oatmeal and to cool it off, I just add, you know, a half cup, three quarters of a cup of frozen berries while I'm yes. getting antioxidants because, I mean, the color is crazy deep. Yes. So I kind of know, not only do I like it, it tastes good, but there is some wonderful goodness locked up in there somewhere. And I love that example because there's easy ways that you can do that. That's a perfect example of that complex carbohydrates. So when I say complex, I really mean those fiber rich carbs and avoiding some of those more simple ones that have added sugars. So having your oatmeal, see, I'm just stealing all your examples today, Chuck. Man, I'm going to get a star. (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) Gold star on the forehead. Yeah, Yeah. No, but definitely oatmeal, your brown rice, your brown pasta, whole wheat pastas, black rice, quinoa, whole wheat breads, all of those delicious things. Stuff with flax in it. I mean, you got a lot of complex yes. carbs and seeds and yeah. And see, you keep segueing me into what I want to talk about. I didn't so, even know. Flaxseed is one of the best seeds with omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 fatty acids are not only good for the heart, but studies have found that they help people with depression. And in America, our omega-3 fatty acid intake and ratio compared to omega-6 fatty acids is way low. So if there's ways that we can kick that up with things like flax seed, chia seeds, hemp seeds, or even better is the fatty fishes is a great way to get omega-3s in. Your salmon, your halibut, your mackerel, really any fish that is carrying fat has that omega-3 fatty acid that we in America are kind of deficient in. And we know that people with depression oftentimes have pretty big omega-3 deficiencies. Yeah, that's interesting. And you've said that before, and I'm glad you said it again, because those are some really simple ways to attack that, which is good. Mm -hmm. What else? Well, we talked about serotonin being produced in the gut with the probiotics. Right. But protein also is kind of in that formula, is a helper and lover of creating that serotonin for us. So protein-rich foods, anything from vegan and vegetarian options like your beans and legumes and nuts, then also eggs, meat, fish, chicken, poultry, tofu, I forgot to mention earlier. So anything that's rich in protein and making sure you're getting enough protein, which most people-ish are, Mm -hmm. but just keeping that in mind to help round that out and balance it. One of my favorite ones to bring up is vitamin D. In Michigan, we have a higher vitamin D deficiency than other states. So on average, about 10% of Americans are lacking in some vitamin D. And in Michigan, it's 40% because we don't have as much sunshine, I think. Well, and that can be a direct correlation to mood disorders too, right? Like SAD and those kind of things because the sun is gone. So you think it's just the visible nature of the clouds rolling in November in Michigan and they don't leave till Mother's Day, right? I'm making it up. But, you know, we get the sun, but we're not necessarily because of the cold air going out and rolling up our pant legs above the boots and taking our coats off and sitting on a park bench. It's just not practical. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, it's a little chilly. So... 
I mentioned fatty fishes. They not only have omega-3 fatty acids, but also vitamin D. Liver, I don't know if people are eating liver very often. Cheese has some vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Egg yolks carry the vitamin D. And then there's many foods that are fortified with vitamin D, some dairy products, some cereals. So there's a few options there. Where, where do you stand on supplements while we're actually hitting on vitamin D? Because I think that's maybe the only vitamin short of a multivitamin, mm-hmm. you know, once a day, that I've really taken over typically gearing it up in the wintertime. Yes. Just because of what we just mentioned. Are you okay with supplements? You think that they really can help us, especially if they're individual like a vitamin D or something you're targeting? Yeah, I think they can for sure. There's a couple of things I would say. I would say, obviously, ideally to get it from food or the sun. Mm-hmm. And when you are taking a supplement of vitamin D, take vitamin D3. D3 is the kind that is most like the kind that we naturally make from the sun. And that's kind of the most efficient way to get it. So vitamin D3, not D2. Yeah. And then the same thing kind of check to see if there's a third-party verification label on there. Usually it's like NSP or USP. They're companies that test these products to say what's in it is actually in it. So yeah, Yeah. D3, not D2. So then there are a couple other things that we can tend to run low on, and zinc is one of those, right? Yes, I love zinc. So zinc is actually good for immune-boosting our health naturally, but also it's interesting because you don't need much of zinc, but if you get it in, we know that people with lower levels of zinc in their body oftentimes are more likely to have some kind of clinical depression. Yeah, I know. Zinc includes a lot of different healthy foods. We would like, again, there's some in fish, which I love people to have. Mm-hmm. There's also, you can also find it in eggs. You can find it in shellfish and then a variety of fruits and vegetables. And again, because we don't need that many, if you're trying to get that rainbow in a day, it can definitely help with your zinc intake as well. Well, and you know, before we got into coronavirus, zinc was being put in with vitamin C and the mm-hmm. lozenges and stuff to boost your immune system. Yes. I take it for the common cold, right? Yes. And even for flu season. But there has been some interesting stuff that's correlated the increased use of zinc in treating people with the virus. And so it'll be curious to see coming out of that if the, you know, boosting the immune system really was related in a way mm-hmm. to a little bit of zinc, whatever that cocktail is that I'm sure we'll find studies that you and I will be talking about, uh, you know, down the road of why it's important that zinc is included in our diets. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So then depression, anxiety, still influenced by other things that we may be missing that are fancy words like, is it selenium or selenium? Yep. Selenium. Yeah. Selenium is a mineral that, again, it's one of those things that you probably are getting if you're eating a well-balanced diet. Beans, legumes have them, nuts, seeds, seafood, whole grains. But what happens is we get into trouble when we kind of go down a path of maybe having an off week where we're not getting it. And 55 micrograms each day is not very much. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the recommendation for what adults should have of selenium a day. But we do know that selenium can piggyback off of building some of those happy hormones in the body. 
So I do have a question, and it's something that's a little off-kilter, but we're coming through the season where the last stat I saw was that wine sales in America went up 55%. (laughs) They may have gone up even beyond that, right, in this time where everybody was kind of hunkered down. Drinking the typical, you know, four ounces of red wine once, twice a week, it's always been, oh, it's kind of good for heart health. But what does that do? Not so much the increase, like you're going off the charts and drinking too much. We know that's bad for you. Right. But when it comes to, you know, heart health, gut health, everything, is it really just thinking of that word that you like to use so much, which is so great, moderation? Or is there something, is it killing the good stuff, I guess is my real basic question. If we're drinking too much wine, are we hurting ourselves? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to just keep saying yes. <laughs> I know, I'm throwing you, I'm throwing you no, a zinger no, here, but I, I just no. see the stats and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're drinking it out of a hose. Yeah. So here's the thing with alcohol. The key is moderation. And moderation is defined as one drink a day for women, two drinks a day for men. Mm. If you're keeping within that, then it would not impact your mental health in a negative way as much as if you were going past that. And here's the thing. So there's, it's again, there's lots of layers. So if you're feeling dependent on the alcohol to feel a certain way, that's an issue. Alcohol also has the tendency to spike blood sugar and then drop it low. Obviously we know what alcohol can do to the brain as far as getting a buzz or of like how you're feeling, but Alcohol does have the potential, if overconsumed, to kill some of those probiotics that I was giving a, the rah-rah speech about earlier, and we don't want to do that. So is it the alcohol that kills the probiotics? Because, I mean, if you cut th- right through it, it's grape juice, right? It just happens <laughs> to be fermented. So like you told me I should have a pickle, I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe it's good that I have fermented grape juice, but grape juice is also empty carbs, you know, yes. so it's a very complex thing. It's so funny. Someone asked me this other day. You're like, they said, you keep telling me to have like fermented tea, <laughs> like kombucha, right, or sauerkraut, or things that are pickled and fermented. But then when I ask you if I can have my wine, you say, yes, you can. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just it's made in a different way, and the way it's produced is different than the probiotic rich foods that I was talking about earlier. So moderation is the good word then. It really is. Yeah. It's the key. Yeah. You can have your glass with dinner and enjoy that, but just maybe not the whole bottle every night. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Well, you're you're kind of delving into a similar topics, but the idea that alcohol is on a list of foods that can negatively impact your mental health if you're not careful, right? Yes. If you're not doing that. What are some of the other ones that we have to be careful about? And I think you've touched on some. Yeah. Highly processed foods. And I know you and I talked about processing and processed foods before, but anything that is highly processed that has extra additives and preservatives Mm. and chemicals in it. Um, Think about that. There are preservatives and chemicals and things that they're adding to food that aren't actually food to help the food last longer or taste a certain way or make you think it tastes a certain way. And that obviously is not really good for our gut health and then not very good for our mental health. Same thing with trans fats. We know already that trans fats are not good for us because they are cancer causing, but then taking that further down the line to note that if they're going to do that, there's no way that it's good for our brain and how we're feeling. We did touch on foods high in added sugar, refined foods, having a balance. We talked about balance with alcohol, but having a balance with caffeine as well, making sure not only is it bad for your blood pressure, 
but making sure that we're not overdoing it because then again, we get into the ebb and flow of spikes and oftentimes the bad caffeinated foods, especially not so much your tea or coffee, which come from plants, but any kind of pop that has caffeine. Energy drinks, energy right? Energy drinks, yeah. yep. Those just kind of eat away at your gut. And then where do you stand on intermittent fasting, which I know a lot of people, it's kind of a range. It's kind of, we could probably do a whole segment on that, but how does this, uh, what's the equal sign or not to mental health? So the equal sign here for intermittent fasting is being very smart about who you are and what you can and cannot handle. This kind of falls more into not only that um, spike of eating and then a drop, but Mm -hmm. then also the mental health capacity of saying, I can't eat till, I can't eat till, or I have to stop eating at blah time. I have to stop eating at seven. I have to stop eating at seven. I have to stop eating at seven. And then how you're feeling in that time when you can eat. What I'm seeing a lot from some patients of mine is that then they tend to overeat in a smaller time frame, And then again, their relationship with food, their relationship with their body is not in a good place. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think that again, some, some people know their bodies a whole lot better. Like they know what switches to flip and not to flip. If you're feeling foggy because you're intermittently fasting, well, that may not be a great thing. Right. Right. But for some, I've heard the opposite that, man, I'm just great. I, I stop eating at seven, eight o'clock at night. I don't eat till noon the next day and I'm okay. But I think for many of us, for me, let me just say that if I could stop snacking after eight o'clock at night, which most nights I'm pretty good, I don't. And I don't really have breakfast until eight the next morning. That's still a 12 hour fast. I mean, when you look at it, you know, so if you could at least do that, you're getting some of those benefits, whatever they may be. Yes. And that's the thing is we all fast. We're not necessarily intermittent fasting, but we are all fasting as we sleep and go into the night. Mm -hmm. That is a real thing. And there are benefits too. That's why we have that rest time, that rest time for our body, that time when we're sleeping, because it does help regenerate new brain cells. And sometimes people that are, are doing that and getting more in tune with what that looks like for their body, maybe they needed some kind of structure to begin with. So then they would be able to live without those time restraints per se, but because they had no restraint at all. Well, the no restraint at all can be, I mean, all you have to do is turn on the TV news late at night and you could stand there and eat a whole box of cookies, you know, at midnight. And there goes the idea, forget the fast. I mean, you know, it's just the way life is. So Again, understanding your body, moderation, it all makes sense. But give us a tip or two takeaways here as we wrap this up, what we should be thinking about when it comes to eating and our mental health. So I would say this, for your mental health and your relationship with food in your body, don't be so hard on yourself. Enjoy your comfort foods. Enjoy the things that you like in moderation. But then also do your best to allow food to nourish you, nourish your body, nourish your brain, nourish your spirit, allow your taste buds to have time to enjoy foods that they might not have liked before. And then remember that it doesn't, it's not one bad treat food that will ruin your entire health and your entire body. So you know, keeping all of that in perspective, be kind to yourself and just aim to do better with every meal or snack that you're putting into your body. Say thank you. I I always say putting good food into your body is a way to say thank you, body, for everything that you've given me. Thank you for allowing me to be able to walk and move and think and, you know, get through things on a daily basis. 
And, you know, it's really good to think about it in that sense. And I think uh, much like New Year's resolutions, and here we're coming out kind of halfway through the year, almost, right? Mm -hmm. Into I'm, I'm not even sure it's normal. But it seems to me that when we put the S after resolutions, that's when we don't seem to be able to keep them. So maybe if you have overindulged a little bit with the cookies uh, because of the times we've been in, that just having one resolution now as the weather breaks and we're getting into nicer air, we're able to get outside, maybe that's a good way to go about it. You know, you're, And as you put it, do better the next meal. Don't try to make this a resolution-filled year with you know 20 things you've got to accomplish by August, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. Like taking it one day at a time, one meal at a time, one moment at a time is always the best way to tackle things so it doesn't seem too overwhelming. Well, lots of great stuff here, and I'm glad I don't want to be in a fog, and I think you've brought me right through mine. Again, let me just say, Grace, except for the sauerkraut idea. I'll try to figure out how to use that one, all right? Sauerkraut on a salad, sometimes I use it instead of dressing. It's pretty oh, good. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Let me, uh, let me think about that for a, a week or so. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Grace. Be safe and be well. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Grace DeRocha, registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator, and a certified health coach coaching us all along today. We want to thank you for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast. It's brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like our show and you want to know more, check us out at a healthiermichigan.org slash podcast. You can get previous episodes. You can also leave us reviews or ratings on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. And you can get all the new episodes on your smartphone or tablet. Take it with you as you're going for your power walks now. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. I'm Chuck Gatica. Take good care.